Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation, where company founders, entrepreneurs, and cutting-edge thinkers drop in from around the globe to share startup stories, insider insights, and hard-earned success lessons. Now, here's your host, a woman who mastered business by placing heels on the ground all over the world, having worked with and coached CEOs and senior leaders from over 90 countries, and who wants you to build your best business future, Allison K. Summers. Hey, thank you for joining us at Disruptive CEO Nation. We hope we can give you a great business story today, a little bit of insight, something to think about. Hey, one of the things I think about quite frequently in relation to the speed of technology is how will the smaller businesses survive? How will the new businesses get started? And also, you know, I have a special place in my heart for nonprofits. How will nonprofits keep up? Well, our guest today is going to talk about some of these things as well as tell us about his company. So welcome to the program, Phil Alves who is the founder and CEO of Debt Squad. Hey, Phil, you're in Utah. Tell us a little bit about what wonderful things Dev Squad delivers to the world. Yeah, so we help uh, companies build SaaS products. That's how we specialize in. We build a lot of B2B SaaS products. Uh, so that's kind of like the space that we live. Uh, we live I mean, we love creating products and helping our customers through the whole journey because we have done many, done many times and many our customers most times are doing their first time or even their second time, but they don't have all the experience. So we basically, we're a consulting firm that specialize on um, helping companies build products and put the odds in favor, like creating any kind of business, building any kind of product, you're playing your odds and we want to put the odds in your favor. So that's what Dev Squad does. Well, I love on your website, you talk about, you know, horrible product development stories and your objective is to make sure people don't experience that. <laughs> um, yeah. That, unfortunately, we have so many people that come to us after like a horror story, you know, like they tried to hire someone and then it went well, they spent four times more than what they fought. And then they tried to get their code. And then the company is like, you're not going to give your code unless you pay us X. So there's a lot of stories of companies that try to build a product and, and really fail miserably. It's it's a big risky business to try to develop a SaaS product or a software product. That's just the reality. And most people fail at it. Yeah. And I've heard those stories too about people holding code hostage and um, or people who are contracting for custom coding or for developing a custom product and they've never done it before. Um, truly not understanding what they need to own or, or separate in terms of IP and mm -hmm. ownership of the code and ownership of what's being created. Uh, one thing I have to compliment right off the bat, Phil, is your website. I, I think your website for a tech company is very approachable. So cheers to your marketing team. But also you have this really lovely um, client testimonials. Now, client testimonials for our listeners is nothing new on anybody's website, but there's just something that's really easy about the ways that yours are laid out. So I encourage our listeners, if you're new near computer, to go uh, take a look for Dev Squad's website. But I like how they're intermixed between the written testimonials and video testimonials. Um, and so one of the things I guess I want to start off with, Phil, is You've had really great 
growth, you know, for having established it in 2014, you're at a hundred full-time team members now doing this. Can you give us a little bit about your growth and your marketing story, how you're acquiring customers? Yeah, it's it's our we put a lot of effort in our site. Thank you very much because it's it's our number one source uh, of of new leads is our website. So uh, we actually spend a lot of time working on that site. We have a whole CRO functioning happening in the background. So you're understanding where people are clicking, what's our conversion rate, what's working, what's not working. So uh, our marketing is inbound. That's how we got all. Uh, our leads, and then people get to our site to uh, Google through SEO, like a lot of articles in our blog. They get to our site to Google Ads, the, the specific keywords that make sense to us, and they get to our site through LinkedIn. Uh, so, and maybe they hear about us in a place like a podcast like this or something. But at the end of the day, I feel like the what we really try to do, we can pay all this money to get the people to the site. But I want to make sure when they get to the website, the site does a good job on explaining who we are, what we do, and helping that person decide before they call me, before they call us, if we are their company for them or not. So we don't try to stay like uh, with Washi. Like our statements are very opinionated in our site. So this is how we do stuff. This is what we believe. This is what we don't believe. Because we want people to self-qualify and to understand if they believe what we believe or not, and if they would be a good fit for them or not. So long way to say our marketing, it's been, uh, it's inbound. We did outbound at first when we started because outbound is super cheap. So like years ago, I would just send email to people, code emails and invite them for lunch and try to get clients. And, and I did got full clients that way. But as soon as we had some money, I started to build this engine that it's kind of self-sustaining and they, and they can bring customers. And, also, people hate to be sold, but they love to buy. They love to, yeah, you know, like understand and go deep and like this is what I want and this is what we try to do. Like, Phil, I, I, I gotta want them tell to you, buy. I so appreciate it. I I look at a lot of websites because I, aside from this podcast, I also interview people for other other things, other purposes. So I look at a lot of websites. There's nobody that hasn't appeared on this podcast that I haven't investigated their website. And I have to tell you, I was actually so happy that a chat box didn't pop up and interrupt my journey. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not saying I wouldn't have minded it like later, but it was, yes, I agree with you. Your website let me take a little journey. It gave me a lot of visual and colorful, playful space. And it it did let me, I have, I mean, I'm not develop, doing any product development. And I'm like, huh, if I needed to do product development, these might be people I call. So I, I believe you on this, this piece of the importance of a website, helping people self-qualify. Yeah. Um, and, and it's funny because that happens to us before where someone like reach out to us and now we try to target to track where people are coming from and then the thing shows direct i'm like oh that's the worst thing like you just didn't find my site then i'm on the phone with that person I'm like so how do you hear about us oh two years ago i got to your site and then i learned about you guys and then i save for like in the future when i would do this product and so it, it's common you know like there's each person's their own journey when they're going to be ready to buy or, or to hire a company like ours and we try to um, just be here for people already 
Yeah. So let's go a little techie for a second. Um, help people understand the platforms that you are working in your technology that you're working with. Yeah, um, we work with uh, basically JavaScript and PHP. So we're going to be using technologies like React, uh, Reactive Native to build mobile apps, Vue.js. So those are JavaScript frameworks that we use to build uh, the front end part of what we build. On the back end, we are a big proponent of Laravel. It's 80% of what we do. Uh, and we also do Node.js, which is another framework. So those are the technologies that we use. They're, they're very simple technology uh, that allow us to, to build the products we have to build. So let's talk about your team because you operate your team uh, located in two countries. So give a little bit of the background on that. Well, yeah, I'm originally from Brazil and, and I moved here to the United States in 2011. I had jobs here and I just had so many job offers uh, and I saw there was a huge demand for developers for the companies here. I also work in a company where I end up managing developers from other country. And there was a, like a huge culture difference. So I, I know the culture of Brazil and the culture of the United States are actually very similar. The time zone is very similar. So my, my whole value proposition of starting this business was what if I start a company that leveraged talent in Brazil, but that goes beyond just like a head. Like, what if I start a company that actually is a consulting firm that helps with product development, that helps with product strategy, and we leverage the, the talent in Brazil? So that was the, the whole value proposition of the company. Uh, and, and from day one, uh, that's that's how we did it. So we have an officer here in Utah. There's about 10 of us in Utah. There's a couple of people in Utah that don't speak Portuguese, but, but most of our employees speak Portuguese because 80 of them are in Brazil. Uh, and and so but that was the, the whole strategy. And, and, and I'm super happy to be also be able to hire in Brazil where um, the economy is a lot weaker, uh, where like the, what the average person get paid, it's a lot less. So also kind of feels, feels good to be able to, to give it back to my country. Very nice. Your website actually talks about your um, core values. And I have to laugh because one of the things your website says is we are an elite battle-trained group that cuts straight to the core of user needs. Um, but you also have these other phrases like make it happen, simplicity, uh, play as a team, value beyond expectation. Tell us a little bit about your core values. Sure. I think my, my favorite and probably the foundation of everything that we do is simplicity. Even when we go about that sentence, it's about what do we have to actually do to get the results? And when we think about technology, there's always a shine object. There's always the newest thing that you can do. Like one of the challenges many times when people try to outsource product development is that the developers end up using that as a lab for them to learn the newest technology. Uh, so our values is like, what is the simplest thing that we can do to actually get the result to the user as quick as we can? And so then from there, we go to our other values. Like we wanted to make it happen, we wanted to get things done. We want to work as a team. We want to have amazing communication. And we want to like deliver this amazing value to our customers, but also for our team members, because there's the there's the two pieces that I have to keep it happy. I feel like uh, we are serving the people that work for us because they have options and you're serving our customers. And then they both have to really receive value 
beyond their expectations. So yeah, those those are the values. I, I love them. But again, the core one that I, I feel like everything is built on is around simplicity. Okay, so let's talk about hard lessons because you've scaled up um, at a fairly you know consistent, reasonable rate. And that always brings challenges with it. So any any naked truths or any you know hard lessons that you look back and you go, huh, that was an interesting hurdle to get over or point I had to learn. Well, when you start to grow fast, you end up um, not having a team that's mature enough for that growth. And I think is just part of the process that you're going to drop the ball, the people are going to drop the ball because things that are moving too quick, like you're getting a person that maybe uh, has to be promoted because he's the person and now he has to manage everything. So as we keep scaling, uh, we we have we had problems, you know, like we lost customers because uh, everything wasn't amazing, like because we dropped the quality here or the communication there. Uh, but I, the lesson that I have is that it's not about the the person; it's about the process. So if something went wrong, it's not the person; it's the process that we had in place. And that's kind of like the lesson that that we keep having, that we keep learning. What were the were the processes that were wrong? What processes can we fix? So that doesn't happen again. And, and I feel like now the size that we are, uh, for, for our size, we have very mature processes that probably can take us all the way for 200 people without any any major problems. But we really had to to develop those and, and to learn uh, with the mistakes that we lost, that we made. And even like sometimes we lost big customers. Other times we lost uh, very important people that, that had like an important role inside the company because the organization wasn't exactly where they were it, it is part of if you're if you move fast you're going to break things yeah that's that's why facebook have their their slogan move fast and break things uh you can move slow and don't break anything or you can move fast and break stuff so i feel like you just have to understand if you're going to grow fast you're going to have growing pains yeah i i i've equated it to when you're a parent and you go from one kid to two kids, you're still you're still good. But that leap from two to three is really tough for a lot of parents. And then mm-hmm. to go from three to four is like nothing. So it, it's it's there's that place. And I think it's the exact same thing in, in business. There's that place mm-hmm. that it it happens. And so I appreciate your authenticity and and sharing that part of the story. Hey, I know you value your teams. You were sharing with me before we started recording um, about the importance of recognizing some of your key employees early on. Can you tell us a little bit about about that and the thought process behind how you recognize those key players in your early stages? Yeah. So I I started this business at first was just me, um, but it's very hard to to go far alone, you know? And so there were like some key players that were working very hard and they were acting as an owner and they were really invested in the success of the business. Uh, and I just spoke with them. I was like, hey, I think you, you deserve equity in the company and you deserve founder status uh, because you're doing a lot and and I wanted to be here for the, the next many years so we can do this together. So um, also I think it was a good way to do it because gave me the opportunity to get to know these people because they were not the first people that I hire. Uh, they were the people that were here early, but that start to really uh, uh, 
get invested and add a lot of value. Uh, you know, because I, I did had some money that I was investing in everything. And these people, they have the safety of having a job, the guaranteed job. So I was taking the biggest risk, but, but that allowed me again to get to know them. And I, and I believe that's the strategy that most companies should use. If there's someone that's a key player, they have to be, uh, paid accordingly or they're going to go somewhere else, you know? So like when you make them owners and you, and you make them, uh, participate in the upside, then it makes sense for yeah, them to stay. Completely agree. Hey, let's talk about the difference in mindset between a founder and a CEO. Um, you know, you said your current process is in place. You think can take you up to two hundred em- employees because you you kind of got over that rough patch and you got it figured out. Um, but there's a difference between a founder and a CEO when you get bigger in operations. Can you give us a little bit of insight in where you see your personal journey uh, going in that? Have you hit the point where you you find that you're leaving a little bit more of the founder mindset and more in the CEO mindset? Or what do you yeah. think about that? Yeah, I, I think the founder, uh, it's going to be the person that it's going to take big risks, that's going to make the decisions that no one else is going to make. And, and those are the things that's going to help the, the business to actually take off. Uh, the, the CEO, it is the person that's going to make sure the business is still alive. The CEO, it's it's more laid back. He's not taking as much risks because now his job is to make the business be super successful, but mm-hmm. basically don't die. Uh, you know, and I, and I believe that's why most founders get fired at some point. Because you have to keep developing as the business keep growing, yeah. Uh, you, you know, and you have to keep changing, you have to keep maturing, uh, because you have to be more and more of a CEO and less less of a founder. And then you bring investors. Like I have friends that sold for private equity. The first thing the private equity wants to do is not have this crazy founder making a lot of bets that that might take this business that now is a stable out of business. So they come and they and they kind of like hired the grow-ups to, to run the business and, and, they, and they put a, a actual CEO in place. And and that person might not be making a lot of like cool new um, new things or not, not be as innovative as a founder, but he's going to guarantee that the business keep going. Uh, where am I? I think I'm a little bit of both, uh, but I'm definitely to the size that the business is right now. I don't have to be the CEO all the time. I, I wear both hats the founder and the CEO hat. I do believe the company can get big enough where uh, I probably would not be able to keep wearing the, the CEO hat, but I'm excited to, to do both for now and I just have to keep learning and keep getting mature. Hey, I've interviewed other people who are founders and growing businesses in Utah. What's the environment like in Utah for entrepreneurs and, and startups right now? Oh, I really like Utah. I think like... It's a small state. Uh, it's easy to to get connect to everybody. Uh, it's a it's a place where it's very easy to to find people that want to work and want to work hard. They have entrepreneur mindset. So I I I don't know about right now. Like since I got here a little bit over ten years ago, I really saw a place that it's kind of engineers so business can grow and business can do well and goes from the things that we have but also to the mentality that people have here in utah so like it's very uh, business friendly very nice hey where do you look to to keep track of trends are there any groups you're a part of any podcasts you listen to any books or 
futurists you follow? How do you stay sharp? I don't worry too much about trends, to be honest. <laughs> I think they can be a big distraction. And I think people are always going after the shyness object, you know? And like, again, going back to simplicity, to foundations, uh, like the things that we are building, uh, we are not building products that are like huge. You're building products that do make eight figures in revenue, but we haven't built anything that makes like nine figure. Uh, so I honestly try not to look too much for trends. I think that's a mistake actually. Because like, for example, I see now, now everybody wants to add AI to their product. Everybody mm -hmm. has to have AI, but there's applications where it makes sense and there's application where it doesn't make sense. Uh, so I just, I go back to the foundations uh, of like, what I read and what I like to consume is going back to what are the foundations that won't change uh, about running a successful business. And, and I believe successful business, it comes down to people and to culture and that has nothing to do with technology. Okay. Hey, how do you stay balanced? What do you do in your free time when you are not uh, all immersed in growing your company? Oh, I do a lot now. I, I was super bad at that for years. Uh, but now the company is doing well and there's a lot of things in place. It's a little bigger. Uh, so when I'm not working, I cycle, uh, recently pick up flying. So actually I'm a pilot. So I fly, wow. my, own I fly my own airplane. Uh, <laughs> I do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, like my wife is like, you have way too many hobbies. <laughs> so... <laughs> I can just see it. Ah, that was a bad meeting. I'm going up to 10,000 feet, you know, forget the rest of you. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, so that's, I do a lot to, to try to stay sharp. I still, but the thing as entrepreneur, never stop working, you know? So it doesn't matter yeah. if I'm flying my airplane, I'm thinking about the problems and my mind is working in the background. Uh, even if I'm trying not to think about it, your subconscious is actually working and trying to solve problems. So that's what I, I didn't know at first. I thought I had to be in the office 14 hours a day or I wouldn't be being productive. And when I start leaving the office to to go on a walk and and, and problems get solved when I'm not trying to solve them, I, I realized the big benefit of like trying to have that balance. Yeah. You know what I realized we didn't do, Phil, is we didn't do any name drop for some of your customers. Can you share uh with our listeners uh some of the wide variety of customers that you have yeah it goes from fortune 500 companies like adp uh box that's a public company uh we have a couple of the public companies as a, as a customers the annoying thing about public companies many times they're gonna have a Santa nda so um so <laughs> yeah. can I even put their, but then we work with like a lot of um B2B SaaS, they're doing super well. They have race series A, series B, like even got acquired companies like Counting Works, um, Swell, and almost, there was one client that just got acquired recent, Soy Stock. Uh, so those are some of uh, the companies that we work But are there, most of the time is we are building B2B SaaS products. It doesn't matter if you're doing for ADP because ADP ventures contact us to take a new product to market. Mm -hmm. Or if we're doing for a founder that it's an industry expert in, I don't know, like long care, and then he's building a software for other long care companies manage their business. So it, it, it's just 
it's always a B2B SaaS product for our industry that someone knows very, very well and they hire us to, to go build that product. So I like to ask my guests, if we came back and talked to you in three to five years, what's the story? What do you hope you tell me about what you are personally doing, Phil, or about DevSquad? I hope DevSquad, it's at least twice as big <laughs> uh, because uh, the impact that, that we are able to do uh, for customers, but for the people that we're able to hire, uh, and uh, many people actually start their career at Dev Squad because we have a whole program, a whole mentorship program. So, um, like sometimes we we try to help people. Like I, I give money for a bunch of nonprofits, um, <laughs> you know, and they're doing amazing things. But I think nothing that I do has a bigger impact in people's life than actually running my company and, and having my company grow and, and giving people opportunities to enter the market and, and helping my customers build successful products that change their lives. So so that's why I want DevSquad to be bigger because that's how the impact that we have in the world, you know, and, and I hope the mm -hmm. company five years, it's it's keeps becoming bigger and bigger than me. And it's, it's not about Phil, it's about DevSquad, this organization that it's like has its own life. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Hey, if people want to learn more, connect with you, where should they go and what should they do? They'll go probably to my site, philalvis.com, because they're going to be able to find my podcast, uh, Dev Squad, my SaaS company that I'm building. Uh, everything is there. So just my name.com is going to be the, the easiest way to find me. Well, thank you so much for being our guest. And to our audience, if you think there is somebody that needs to connect with Phil or find out more about DevSquad, or um, if you have a potential CEO founder that you think I should speak to, um, let us know, pass along a copy of this episode, or you can connect with me at connect at allisonksummers.com. Until we speak again, keep your eye on the future and always be disruptive. Phil, thank you. Thank you again for being such a great guest. No problem. Thank you for having me. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.